podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast on Wednesday, the 7th of September, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're otherwise geo-blocked from. For example, UK expats wanting BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub or all four. Irish expats wanting RTE Player. A Liberty Shield VPN can get you the content you desire and keep your data safe the most important thing on the interwebs in 2022 keep you safe from the ne'er-do-wells and the miscreants go to libertyshield.com right now use the code epl25 that's epl25 to get 25 percent off either the hardware or software packages the hardware package is a router that you plug into your normal internet router and connect any devices you want to change the ip address of to that new router the software package is instantly downloadable to your device and you get using straight away libertyshield.com epl25 at checkout we're also brought to you by home of hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in scotland but shipping worldwide check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and finally do check out the epl index and anfield index shops which you can find on etsy use the codes epl10 or red 10 for 10% off at checkout. Do also remember to check out a tad predictable out every Premier League match week on this uh, feed and check out the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin John DeVries. But this week it was hosted by Jake Jackman. That podcast comes out every Sunday night or Monday morning and is always worth a listen. You'll find that on its own feed epl roundtable on your podcast providers right folks i woke up this morning and wondered what the hell i was going to talk about and i now know thomas tuchel sacked by chelsea didn't see this one coming did anyone really see this one coming it's great to see the journalists who never mentioned that there was any potential problems at chelsea coming out and saying they'd been hearing rumblings for weeks that tension began during the summer when only about a month ago they were reporting that Thomas Tuchel was going to get a new contract, that he had one of the safest situations in the league, that he and Bowley were in lockstep and Bowley was fully committed to Thomas Tuchel as the long-term manager of Chelsea. Instead, Bowley has this morning sacked Thomas Tuchel. I think it is absolute madness. I think it is a terrible decision. And I don't think they're going to get anyone better. Now, they have approached Brighton and been granted permission to speak to Graham Potter. And as you know, I'm a big Graham Potter fan. But Graham Potter is not a better manager than Thomas Tuchel. Now, might he be a better manager for this group? Potentially. Potentially. But if I was Graham Potter, I wouldn't take this job. I'd go and I'd meet with him purely for the lulls. I wouldn't take this job. Graham Potter is going to be high on the list of manager, managerial candidates for Tottenham when Conte goes in a year or two because he never stays around long. For Arsenal when they finally decide that Arteta just isn't worth it. For City, when Pep moves on, and I know it's a few years down the line, but for Liverpool, when Klopp moves on, he'll also be top of the list if things go badly at United for Eric Ten Hag. So, if you were looking at the big six jobs 
from a career point of view, which one is the best option? It's definitely not Chelsea. Chelsea might actually be the worst option because there is a culture at that club where managers simply just don't get time. There is a culture at that club where the players seem to have far too much say in what goes on. Now, these are not things that Todd Bowley has introduced. These are things that have existed at Chelsea for years. This has been the culture at that club since John Terry and Frank Lampard were running the dressing room. Graham Potter has a £16 million buyout and apparently Chelsea are willing to pay it, which is why Brighton have given him permission to speak to the club. I just don't know that it's the right move for him. I saw a report today that certain players were not involved in the sacking, but had raised concerns. And one of them named was Thiago Silva. And it, it got me thinking what an absolute arsehole he must be. Because Thomas Tuchel at both PSG and at Chelsea went completely against his own principles of how a team should be set up and how they should play to facilitate... Thiago Silva. The back three nonsense at Chelsea was all because of Silva. The Marquinhos in midfield and Tilo Carrera right back nonsense at PSG was all because of Thiago Silva. So he's either deluded about the level he's still capable of playing at or he's just one of the most ungrateful people in the world. Um, either way, if he has contributed to Thomas Tuchel getting sacked, he should be ashamed of himself. Look, Chelsea lost last night. They lost 1-0 away to Dinamo Zagreb, and the performance was not good. And watching the game, you could you were screaming at Tuchel to just bin the back three. Get Aspilicueta off the pitch and get a midfielder on, and go 4-3-3. With the players you had out there, 4-3-3 was the move. They lined up Mendy in goal. No, sorry, Kepa in goal. Aspilicueta, Fafana, and Koulibaly as a back three. James and Chilwell as wingbacks. Now, why not just take Aspi, stick him on the bench... Pull James and Chilwell back as fullbacks. Put Fafana and Koulibaly in a two, where both of them are much more comfortable. Put Mount and Kovacic as the eights, either side of either Jorginho or preferably Dennis Zakaria. And then you've got Havertz, Aubameyang and Raheem Sterling up front. Like That is a team. That is balance. This was a clogged toilet, which it always is with Chelsea when they play a back three. And Mountain Kovacic as a midfield pairing just didn't work at all. It was a bizarre choice. But you could see why he did it. I assume he thought they'll go and they'll dominate. They never dominated. It's very hard to blame Thomas Tuchel for what's gone on here. He walked into a club to replace Frank Lampard that was going in completely the wrong direction. When Lampard was sacked on the 25th of January and replaced by Thomas Tuchel, the Premier League season was going in the wrong direction for Chelsea. We were 19 games into the Premier League campaign they were ninth and they were sinking. They were heading for the bottom half of the table. Lampard had lost five of his last eight games. 
And Tuchel managed to turn it around. And he got Chelsea a top four finish. Not only that, but in the European Cup, they had drawn Atletico Madrid. Diego Simeone was rubbing his hands together at the thoughts of schooling Frank Lampard. In the end, Tuchel schooled Simeone and knocked out the Spanish side. Then they knocked out Porto. Then they knocked out Real Madrid. And then they beat Man City in the final to win the European Cup. He won a European Cup 15, 16 months ago. And he's been sacked. Now, he didn't spend any money when he first took over. He just worked at what he had. Last summer, he did not want Romelu Lukaku. He was given Romelu Lukaku. I don't know that he wanted Saul, but he was given Saul. I don't know how much say he had in some of the sales. I I know he wasn't all that keen on Tammy Abraham, but he hasn't really he wasn't really backed in the last days of the Roman Empire as it was. He didn't want Lukaku. That was blatantly obvious from day one. That's just the player he was given. But this summer, he has been back. But he's been backed in such a scattergun way. They're good players, but there didn't really seem to be a plan in terms of how they were recruited. Sterling, Koulibaly, Slonina, Chukwemeka, Kukurea, Casadilla, Fafana, Aubameyang. You could look at that and think, okay, well, they got two centre-backs in. They needed two centre-backs. That's fine. They didn't get the backup right wing-back that they needed. Instead, a right wing-back or right-back they needed. Instead, they kept Aspilicueta, who didn't want to be at the club. They didn't get the holding midfielder they needed. Instead, they got in Dennis Zakaria on deadline day on loan, a player who hasn't been good in a couple of years. I said I thought... Tuchel would try and be splashy and I was right, he was he got a splashy name in Sterling a splashy name in in, uh, Koulibaly they overpaid massively for Kukurea and Fafana, good players but not worth the money they paid, a splashy signing in Aubameyang that doesn't really make any sense and doesn't really improve them all that much Um, I do like the young players they brought in but again they've overpaid they've overpaid Chuck Wemmick at 20 million with one year left on his contract. It's baffling. But to give him all of that, which is, by the way, three quarters of a new defence and two thirds of a new front three, and not give him the holding midfielder he needed to complete a midfield three, and then sack him after seven games. And it's not like things are going disastrously for Chelsea. They're sixth in the league. They beat Everton. They outplayed Spurs and should have won. They did get they did get walloped by Leeds. There's no denying that. They beat Leicester. They lost away to Southampton, but Southampton are feisty this year. And then obviously they beat West Ham at the weekend, which is a good result, regardless of West Ham's current league position. It is a good result. West Ham are a good team. Now, again, I saw someone say, oh, well, they were bad XG wins. I'm sorry, do you get extra points if your XG is better? Is that a new thing that I've missed? Or do you get the same points regardless of what your XG is? As he tries to bed these players in, any win is a good win. Whoever takes over at Chelsea will take over a strong squad, but a squad missing bits and pieces, including a very important defensive midfielder. You've got a goalkeeping situation in which everybody and their mother knows Kepa doesn't want to be there anymore and that he's not good enough to be the first choice starter, but earns an enormous amount of money, which... If he's the backup and he's earning probably three times what the starter is earning, the starter is going to want more than him. And that's what's happening at the moment with Mendy. Mendy has turned down a contract offer 
Now, Mendy's very fortunate to be at Chelsea because he hasn't been very good the last, I would say, the last year. He was very good in the first season, but he hasn't been very good since. And he obviously wants to be the highest paid goalkeeper at the club because he's first choice. So by having that Kepa weight around your neck, you're going to have to overpay Mendy, who's a good goalkeeper, but not a great. In defence, I like, look, left-back situation's really good. You've got Cucurella, you've got Chilwell. Right-back situation, you've got James, and that's kind of it, because nobody should want to see Cesar Aspilicueta play at this point. He's just not capable of playing at the level Chelsea need him to play at. In terms of centre-backs, you've got Fafana. You've got Koulibaly. You've got Chalaba. And you've got Thiago Silva. Now, if you're playing a two, Silva's not suited. He's too slow. If you're playing a three, doesn't really suit Fafana and Koulibaly all that well. In midfield... You've got Jorginho, who should have been sold. You've got Kante, who remains great, but injury-prone. Kovacic is great. Loftus-Cheek shouldn't really be at the club anymore. He's too inconsistent. The talent is there, but he's too inconsistent. Mason Mount is an excellent player, but he's been miscast for the last little while. You've got Dennis Sakaria on loan, and you've got Chuck Wemeka, who's a massive talent, but it remains to be seen what he's actually capable of. Plus, you've got... Um, Cassidy, the Italian kid that was brought in in the summer. And up front, you've got, it's a bit of a strange group. You've got Aubameyang, who you just don't know what you're going to get with him. You've got Pulisic, who's talented but injury prone. You've got Zayic, who's been a flop. I miss Conor Gallagher in the midfield group. He's a good player. He's better than we've seen this season. Um... You've got Kai Havertz, who doesn't really seem to have a position. And you've got Brohia and Sterling, who I think are... Of Sterling's a great player. I think Brohia is hu hugely talented. Graham Potter plays a back three. If he comes in, I think he'll play a back three. I think he'll stick with Silva in the middle for now, Fafana and Koulibaly either side. It's not ideal. But I think that's what he'll go with. James and Cucurella, I think that'll be the wing-backs. I think he'll go with a two-man midfield, but I just don't know what that will be. Kovacic and Kante, maybe. And then Mount and Sterling behind Broja. I, I, I really don't know. It's a mismatched squad. Like There's issues in that team that I've just named. If it's 4-3-3... The centre-backs and full-backs, the defence is really good. Everybody fits. James, Fafana, Koulibaly, Cucurella. That's really good. Mendy, you're set. You don't need to touch your defence. need to find a long-term backup right wing, a right-back and a another backup centre-back, but you can do that. You can just wait till Levi Colwell's loan ends either and bring him back from Brighton. Um, but the midfield then becomes an issue because... Mount, Gallagher, Kovacic, and Kante are all eights. They're different types of eights, but they're all eights. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is also an eight. The only sixes they have at the club are Jorginho, who's awful defensively, and Zakaria, who's simply not of the level required at Chelsea. And then the front three, Sterling one side... Havertz, I think, should be in the team, and I'd have him in maybe as the nine. And maybe you play Broya on the left and you try and use him for, like, back post crosses from James or something. I don't know. But it doesn't really fit all that well. All that money spent and there's still holes in the squad. Now, it's easy enough fixes. You go in January, you bring in a holding midfielder, you go next summer, you bring in an answer in a wide forward area, a goal-scoring answer. Find another Sterling. Play Havertz as your nine. 
just get pace and movement around him, pace, movement, and goals around him. Other options for the position would be Pochettino, who's out of work at the moment. Um, I think he'd be a good option for them. Zidane, who's out of work. I don't think Zidane would take it. I think Zidane will wait for the France job. I think Poch would take it. It may all be moot because it may well just be that Potter decides to take it. And like I say, I think it would be a mistake for him to take it. I think it would be a risk for his career if he took that job because because Chelsea sack managers really, really quickly. And if things don't go well immediately, will Chelsea just give Potter the time he needs? The Telegraph have reported that the the issues between Bowley and Tuchel began over Cristiano Ronaldo because Bowley wanted to sign him and Tuchel said no. And Tuchel was right. Cristiano would have been an awful signing. But Bowley doesn't know anything about football and just wanted the big splash. Very, very, very strange that that would cause a rift that would end with a manager getting sacked. And I do feel I do feel bad for Tuchel because all he wants to do is coach. That's all he really cares about. But Bowley was trying to drag him into the recruitment, having appointed himself as interim sporting director and then carried on the way he did in the summer, throwing money around like it was a game of football manager having players come visit him in Greece where he was staying with his family for the summer, um, turning up at press conferences and, and player reveals uh, just to be in the pictures. Like, I, I do wonder if Thomas Tuchel is just better off being well shot of him. Revealed, Chelsea's players were discussing Thomas Tuchel's private life and how he had a younger girlfriend after his man- his marriage collapsed, as dressing room disgruntlement spread before his sacking. I mean, that's very clearly a player's issue and not a Thomas Tuchel issue. But it does, does just speak to... It does just speak to the situation with Chelsea's players having... quite a toxic dressing room and quite a poor culture. You wouldn't hear of that at a well-run club. You just wouldn't hear of it. That's enough on Thomas Tuchel for today. My expectation is that when we speak tomorrow we'll have a clearer picture. Either Graham Potter or potentially Pochettino will be, um, if not appointed, in the process of being appointed. I think they'll try and do this quickly, which is never really a good idea to rush an appointment at a club the size of Chelsea. I just can't get over the fact that they spent that much money and allowed him to have involvement in that backed him to that extent and then sack him after seven games. Like, they're going to get out of that Champions League group. Milan are good, not great. Salzburg and Zagreb, they'll beat Zagreb at home. They'll beat Salzburg in both games and they'll beat Milan in at least one of them. And that'll be 12 points and that's more than enough to get through. quite strange that Reese James got a new contract and then this happened and he's one of the players who's frequently mentioned as having had some issues with Tuchel considering 
the freedom Tuchel's back three with wing backs has given Reese James, um, you would call into question whether Reese James needs a needs a firm talking to by somebody in a position of of power um, at the club. Anyway, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll go through the rest of last night's Champions League games. We'll talk about tonight's Champions League games. And we will do the gossip and that'll be us. I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, uh, just last thing on Tuchel. When I say I feel sorry for him, should point out, he'll be fine. He is going to get plenty of offers moving forward. Whenever the next elite-level job comes up, Thomas Tuchel will be top of the list. He's a European Cup-winning manager. He's also been to another European Cup final. He's won two French League titles. He will be fine. There will be clubs who are very seriously considering whether or not to move on from their manager this morning uh, to appoint him, including, I believe, Juventus. So anyway, let's look at last night's Champions League games. Dinamo Zagreb won. Chelsea nil. Uh, Mislav Orsic, who you might remember in January... Burnley thought they had him signed and then it fell apart at the last minute. Uh, he scored the only goal of the game after 13 minutes. Wes Fafana made to look very inexperienced and very uncomfortable in that middle CB role. And also a little bit slow, which he isn't, but he looked slow chasing Orsic. Borussia Dortmund 3, Copenhagen 0. Marco Royce and Rafael Guerrera gave Dortmund a 2-0 lead at half time. Jude Bellingham wrapped it up on 83 minutes. Benfica 2, Maccabi Haifa 0. Rafa Silva and Alex Grimaldo, two goals in five minutes, giving the Portuguese side a comfortable victory. Sevilla 0, Manchester City 4. Erling Haaland made it 1-0 on 20, stayed 1-0 till 58 when Phil Foden made it 2. Haaland made it 3 on 67 and Ruben Diaz wrapped it up on 92. I would expect that Lopetegui is not long for that job. Things are not good at Sevilla. Again, I don't think it's his fault. I think he's been dealt a bad hand. Monchi hasn't been Monchi for the last little while. And though I like Nianzu as a, an addition in the summer, they lost. They're two starting centre-backs. And I'm just not sure that they replaced them in the best possible way to win this season. Like, they brought in Marcao. Now, he didn't play last night. He's a good player, but he is a little bit injury-prone. They got Casper Dahlberg on loan, Yanazai on a free, Isco on a free. They're not deals that would really fill you with confidence. They really aren't. Brought in Alex Tellez on loan. I wouldn't be overly keen with the business that they've done. Um, you know, sending Lucas Acampus out on loan, strange one. Letting Munir leave. Just to me, all things considered, not a great uh, summer transfer window. For Monchi, and I, I think he just put Lopetegui in a in a bad position. Um, and the thing is, he's always had an iffy relationship with the Sevilla fan base because he doesn't play in a an attractive brand of football. It's a very functional brand of football, which the Sevilla fans were fine with as long as they were winning. And now they're not winning, and it's starting to get a little bit toxic. So I don't think he's going to last very long, to be fair. Red Bull Salzburg won. AC Milan won. Noah Okafor opened the scoring for Salzburg on 28. 
Alexis Salamakers equalized on 40. Seems to have been an exciting game based on the highlights that I watched. And um, I think Salzburg and Milan will both be happy with the point there. RB Leipzig 1, Shakhtar Donetsk 4. This could have been anything. Shakhtar tore them apart. Marion Schved, formerly of Celtic, opened the scoring on 16. Mohamed Simikin equalized on 58. Schved made a 2-1 on a minute later. And then Michalo Mudrik, who's the, the, the winger I couldn't remember who Brentford were trying to look at in the the last couple of days of the transfer window, he was just, he tortured Leipzig all game long, tortured them. Uh, he made it three. Lasana Triori made it four. They just carved through them time and time again. And it was often just the final ball that let them down. But it was it was such basic counter-attacking football. Give it to the quick fella and let him run through them. Uh, Leipzig have this morning sacked uh, Domenico Tedesco and it looks like Marco Rose is on his way to Leipzig to replace him. I'm not sure on that appointment, but Tedesco, I think it was time. He's a one-season manager. He just is. You don't get any more from him. He was the same at Schalke. Took over, did really well. The following season, it was a mess, and Leipzig have just decided to avoid the mess. Did really well last year upon taking over from Jesse Marsh, but it's begun awfully, and uh, he is gone. And Leipzig need to hope that Marco Rose can discover the little bit of magic that he had when he was at Salzburg. PSG 2, Juventus 1, Kylian Mbappe made it 1-0 on 5 minutes, 2-0 on 22 minutes. And it looked like PSG were going to hammer Juve. But credit to Juve, they dug in, they fought back. Weston McKinney got them back in the game on 53 and they had a couple of chances late on that might have gotten them a draw. But it wasn't to be. And uh, PSG get their victory and get their campaign underway. And then finally, Celtic nil, Real Madrid three. A scoreline that does not in any way reflect the game that was played. Celtic really took it to Real in that first half. Real had the majority of the ball, which is fine, but Celtic cut them apart a couple of times. And Callum McGregor cracked the inside of the post. There's a couple of other decent half chances. If that McGregor shot had gone in, I, I think it's a different game. I still think Real would have won because Real are a better team. And quality tells in the end. But Vinicius Junior, a junior, made it one nil on fifty six on a counter attack. Um, Luka Modric made it two on sixty, and then Eden Hazard wrapped it up on seventy seven. Unfortunately for Celtic, individual errors by their centre backs, in particular Cameron Carter-Vickers, who was just completely at sea for all three goals. Um, was their undoing. But they can be very proud of their performance. And like I told you yesterday, it was going to be a really fun game. It was a really fun game. And Celtic, look, they didn't take a backward step and they can be very proud of how they played. And they should be very proud of how they played. Uh, we have another full slate of games tonight. So in the early kickoffs, it's the Calvin Bassey Derby as Ajax take on Rangers. Rangers haven't had the ideal start to their season. I think that's pretty safe to say. They are five points behind Celtic in the S uh, Scottish Premier League. Got whooped by Celtic at the weekend. But it was the, the European competition last year in which they really showed out. Obviously got to the final of the Europa League and lost to Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, and I think they'll hope to spring a bit of a surprise this season. But Ajax is going to be a tough place to go. Now, Ajax have had a lot of flux this summer, a uh, number of big players left. But they have started their league campaign really well, winning their first five games. Everybody's aware that Lissandro Martinez and Anthony 
left for Manchester United. They also lost Mazraoui, who went to Bayern on a free, Onana, who went to Inter on a free, Gravenberch, who went to Bayern, Sebastian Haller, who went to Dortmund, and Nicolas Tagliafico, who went to Lyon. They also sold Perishers, but he hadn't really done all that much for them. Um, they bring in Lucas Acampus on loan, Lorenzo Luca on loan, and Patrick's Patrickson Delgado on loan, who's not a player I know. They sign Stephen Bergvine. They sign Owen Wendell. They sign Calvin Bassey. They sign Brian Brobby. They sign Jorge Sanchez. And they sign Ahmet Kan Kaplan, a young Turkish defender who arrived from Trabzonspor. So Ajax just doing Ajax things. Now, I do wonder if they're maybe short a number nine. I know Brobby does profile to be a number nine long term, but will he get them enough goals across the season? He's started fairly well. He's got two and six. Needs to up that. But uh, they're winning, and that's all that really matters for Ajax at the moment. This is sort of going to be a, a transition season, I'd imagine, for Ajax. But they'll still have ambitions to win the league. And obviously, they did lose their manager as well. Uh, replaced him with Alfred Schroeder, who had done fairly well at 20 in the past, had been an assistant with Ajax, had gone to Hoffenheim. It didn't go well. Um, he did well with Club Bruges uh, in his spell there in the second half of last season and won the league with them. But um, I'm surprised he, he he actually left Club Bruges, but he's taken the IX job, which is you know, a bigger job than Club Bruges. And we'll see how he does. We'll see how he does. He's not a, was he 49? He's not exactly a, a, a rookie. So he's been around a long time. Um, I would expect Ajax to win that game at home, but should be a good one. Uh, and Eintracht Frankfurt reigning Europa League champions against Sporting. Now, Sporting have not started the season all that well. And this is sort of their opportunity to maybe wipe away some of the sluggishness they're experiencing in league play. They're already eight points off Benfica, who are top of the league. Um, six points behind Braga, who are second, and five behind Porto, who are top. So they do need to get themselves back on track fairly quickly. Uh, Eintracht, they've also had a bit of a middling start to the season. They lost the first game, then drew two, but they have won their last two games back-to-back in the Bundesliga. So they are getting things back to the way they would want them. They hammered uh, Leipzig at the weekend 4-0, which was probably really the result that, that did for Tedesco. Um, they got whooped by Bayern 6-1 earlier in the season, though, so that was... A bit of a wake-up call that maybe they couldn't rest in their laurels after last season's success. Those are the two early games. Should be two good games. But there's some real crackers then in the 8pm game. So first up, you get Inter versus Bayern. Uh, You'd expect Bayern to be favourites for this game. Inter, a little bit of a mixed bag thus far trying to get things settled in and figure out what they're going to be this season. They're four points behind Atalanta, who've moved top of the league. They sit in eighth, but they are unbeaten. Um, no, sorry, they're not unbeaten. They've lost two They've lost two of their last three. What am I thinking? They've lost two of the last three. They lost to Milan and they lost to Lazio. Uh, they beat Cremonese, Spezia and Lecce. So not exactly the most impressive of results for Inter. Uh, They're another team that obviously had a bit of a strange summer with a lot of speculation around Skriniar and De Vries and uh, Bastoni for a little while and Barella for a little while. In the end, they kept hold of basically all the important players. The only one that left was Ivan Perisic, but they knew he was leaving. Uh, it should be a good opportunity for um, Robin Gosens to get 
plenty of opportunities as the left wing back. They didn't bring in as many players as I thought. I didn't think they'd do the Joaquin Correa deal and make that permanent, but they decided to anyway. Uh, they brought Omana in. He should be the long-term replacement for Handanovic. Made the Golson's deal permanent, and I hope he does get the opportunity to become the first-choice left wing-back. They signed Mkhitaryan. He's passed his best, but he did have a decent season for Roma last year. They got Lukaku in on loan. And young Aslani, who's the... What nationality is he? Albanian midfielder. They brought him in on loan, I think, with an obligation to buy from Empoli. He's an exciting one, one to keep an eye on. I thought they'd do a little bit more, but obviously they are working under some very strict financial restrictions there. So maybe just wasn't wasn't possible for them. Um, Byron had a big summer. Lewandowski left. They brought in Mane. They brought in Gravenberch. They brought in Masrawi. They've not made the ideal start in the Bundesliga. They currently sit third. Um, three wins, two draws. They'll go on and win the league. There's, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt. There's no better way to guarantee yourself a winning bet than to bet on Bayern Munich to win the Bundesliga. Who else did they get this summer? Uh, oh, Matthias De Ligt, of course. Matthias De Ligt and Matthias Till, or Tell, the youngster from Rennes. Um, so, yeah, a big summer for them in terms of incomings. And... Lewandowski, Chris Richards, Nianzu, Zerki. They made a bunch of sales to claw back a lot of that money. Net spend for the summer, 27 million. You can't really argue with that. Can't really argue with that at all. Didn't sell anybody other than Lukaku, who was a regular. Also sold Mark Roca to Leeds. Sold a bunch of young players that probably weren't going to make the grade anyway. So I think that all in all, Bayern are very happy with their summer. Um, they need to get, or Nagelsmann needs to get them firing in attack the way they're expected to. But um, I would expect them to go and win that game tonight against Inter. Barcelona at home to Victoria Pleasant. Barca, they look fairly exciting at the moment. They're playing pretty good football. Um Three wins and one draw from their four Bundesliga games. Scored 11, only conceded the one. It's It's been a good start for Xavi's men. Uh, couldn't tell you much about Victoria Pleasant now, to be completely honest. Uh, let's see, Czech first league. They currently sit second and they have a game in hand, which if they win or get a point from, they will go top. So, yeah, a pretty good start for them as well. I don't think they'll get anything at the Camp Nou tonight. Atletico Madrid against Porto should be a decent game. Uh, Sergio Conceição and Diego Simeone once uh, teammates at Lazio. Neither side have made great starts to their campaigns. Porto are third in Portugal. Uh, Atleti are seventh in Syria. Two wins, a draw, and a defeat. And um, they look a little bit... They look stale. They look stale, is what it is. Porto sold a number of big players in the summer, and obviously Luis Diaz in January, so probably a betting-in process for them. I think I'd back the draw on that one, to be totally honest. Marseille against Tottenham or Tottenham against Marseille at the London Stadium. Tottenham have obviously started the Premier League campaign very well. Marseille, they are second in the French League, level and points of PSG, five wins and a draw. So things are going really well for them. That's going to be a big test for Tottenham. But at home, you'd still expect them to get the win. Uh, Club Bruges against Leverkusen. Club Bruges currently sit third in the Belgian league, five points behind Royal Antwerp. Now, Antwerp have had a great start, but nobody expects them to hold on to that kind of form for the long run. So Bruges, I think they'll be quite patient. Uh, five wins, a draw and a defeat. All things considered, they'll be happy enough. Leverkusen have had a bad start to the season. 
They have. They're 14th. They have won one and lost four of their five games so far. But I would back Sione and this group of players to turn this around. They're missing Florian Verts terribly at the moment. I just really hope Sione gets it turned around quickly before the Leverkusen board decides to do something foolish. Um, I think the draw is probably a fair bet there as well. And then Napoli versus Liverpool, uh, a game that terrifies me. Um, Kavica, Osman, Zambo, Zielinski, I can see them just having lots of success against Liverpool, especially if Klopp starts Milner and Liverpool are forced to play with 10 men. James Milner is getting dribbled past four times a game and Napoli have some of the best ball-carrying midfielders in the world in Zielinski and Zambo and maybe the best winger in the world on current form in Kavica. If Milner plays right back, he's going to get destroyed. If he plays in centre midfield, it's going to be ugly. Uh, Klopp needs to be sensible about this one. Napoli have started the season well. They're second in Syria and playing like a team full of confidence. Uh, three wins, two draws, uh, 12 goals scored, only four conceded. Liverpool have not started the season well and currently sit seventh in the Premier League. Two wins, three draws and a defeat. 15 scored, but nine of them came in one game against Bournemouth. So all things considered, Liverpool fans should be a little bit concerned at the moment. I think that's a really tough game for Liverpool and I actually think Napoli might beat them. So um, that is tonight's Champions League games. Two good games on early. I'd probably watch the Ajax Rangers game. And then you've got your choice for the late ones. Inter Bayern should be good. Uh, Tottenham Marseille should be good. Bruges Leverkusen should be fun. And Napoli Liverpool is probably the probably the one to watch. Probably the one to watch. Atleti Porto strikes me as the one to avoid. And if you just want to see a hammering, that's probably Barca uh, Pleasant. But you know, look, I hope they hope they don't get hammered. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them hold their own. Um, but yeah, I mean, Liverpool Napoli is probably the game to watch. Although Inter Bayern should be good as well. Um. Right, let's do the gossip and we'll be done. Wolves will consider a move for free agent and former England striker Andy Carroll if they fail to sign Diego Costa. Lord, the barrel has been scraped, turned upside down, scraped again, and at this point has just been set on fire. Manchester United and Chelsea will continue to monitor the situation of Frankie De Jong, this is just this is just lazy journalism. It's a story that ran for the summer. They want to fill some column inches, so why not continue to bring it up? Manchester City are eyeing up a move for Tony Cruz in January. There's zero chance Real Madrid will allow him to leave in January, but he might leave next summer. Um, Douglas Luiz plans to leave Aston Villa as a free agent at the end of the season. That's it's a bit of a shame. Arsenal are unlikely to go back in for a, with a bid for Luis in January. If Gerard goes, I'd be curious to see what happens with Douglas Luis. If a new manager comes in, can they convince him that he can play a big part? Uh, Southampton's Nathan Redmond is set to join Besiktas on a one-year deal. Good luck to him. I hope he does well. Chelsea and... Senegal goalkeeper Edouard Mendy has turned down initial contract renewal because it is lower of lower than the wage of Kepa, which is what I said earlier on. Um, Bayern Munich sporting director Hassan Salihamidzic has played down the club's link to Harry Kane. This has been just a soap opera for a while now. He can play it down all he wants, but the press will just build it back up. He'll play it down. They'll build it back up. Oliver Kahn will play it down. They'll build it back up. The press will do what the press want to do because they've got column inches to fill. Arsenal failed in a £26 million bid for Ferran Torres after Xavi overruled the board's decision to let him leave. It would have been hilarious if they'd let him leave. 
for that price, especially considering Barcelona paid 55 million euro and add-ons of 10 million euro in December. So they were going to sell him for half what they paid for him. This is such a badly run club. Ajax's Dutch striker Brian Brobby says he was approached by Eric Ten Hag to join him at Manchester United. Eric Ten Hag knows he doesn't just have to work with the players he's worked with before, right? He's allowed buy from elsewhere. Brighton and Colombia midfielder Stephen Alzate is in talks with Standard Liège over a loan till the end of the season. Probably the best move for him, allow him to get some minutes. And um, he's had a couple of injuries as well, so he really does need to find a rhythm. Roma want to tie Nicolo Zaniola to a new contract, which, you know, it's funny. He was linked with Spurs all summer long. It made no sense that they'd let him go because he's such an incredibly talented player and can be a big part of their team moving forward. Like him behind Dybala and Tammy Abraham, that is really, really exciting. But Pellegrini in midfield, and all of a sudden you've got four players bombing forward who can really impact games, plus wingbacks in, in Celic and, and Spinozola. That would be really, really good going forward. But they seemed okay with selling him, which was just a, just a very weird thing. Uh, anyway, hope he stays there. Hope he signs that deal. That is it. That is me for today. I don't think there's anything else. Potter hasn't been appointed yet. Um, so, no, that's it. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.